let me tell you what creator's dementia is. It's the feeling you get with a finished project. The feeling you get when you get rejected. It's the feeling you get when you imagine the future with your creations. The struggle, the disappointment, the lot. This podcast will take you through all of the thoughts, effects, and craziness that comes with being a creator. So welcome to the place where you know you are not alone in your creative endeavors. Welcome to Creator's Dementia. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Creator's Dementia. It is me and it is cold in this office and as you can see on YouTube that this is a different camera angle. I am looking directly into the camera. Um, so I don't really have anything completely prepared today. Um, of course, last week was Christmas, so it was hectic, it was nuts, it was insane, so I hadn't really scripted anything for this episode, but I know that I've got to, I've got to get it out, um, I've got to record, uh, before Friday, um, because I've made a promise to myself that I will do this, so here I am on a whim, uh, with my cell phone pulled out next to me to talk about a certain topic that, uh, a good friend of mine named Frank, uh, brought to my attention, and I'm going to do, I already got another topic lined up for the next time as well, um, that someone asked me to do as well. So, um, before we get started on today's topic, um, some updates like always, um, I have started a Kindle Vela episodic story called 24 Hours in the Zombie Apocalypse. Um, I release an episode every week. Uh, so far I have anyways. It's been two weeks now. And the first three episodes are free to read. Uh, takes no tokens. And if you don't know what Kindle Vela is, it is um, just a new way for authors to get their names out there and also different ways for people to read instead of having one full book out all together uh, you can do it like episodes and you know kind of like chapters as episodes and it recommends to release one every week so that's what i am doing every week i am going to write and produce an episode and my editor jay is going to help me out with it and she she was my editor for the cat knocked over my stuff. Uh, she was <clears throat> my editor for Legion's Dawn, and uh, she at helped advertise uh, Zed's Wayward Son and uh, Zed's Rising for me. Uh, she created the logo for. Where? Get off my computer desk. Go. No. Go. Oh my goodness. I, I should have shut the door, but it's cold in here. <laughs> my office has no insulation. Um, but she made the logo for the D&D campaign, um, which I've got the audio recorded. Um, I'm going to send it through. I've got it recorded on the camera as well. So, um, it's our second session that will be no. 
It's our second session that I have recorded, but it's the only session I'm going to have released at the moment because the first one did not record so well, and so I just deleted it, and I'll do a um, a summary of it before uh, it's really, you know, before people can actually see the session, so that way everyone knows what actually happened before this uh, session that I completely recorded. Um, so... Uh, 24 Hours in the Zombie Apocalypse has uh, it has went to Kindle Vela. So if you want to check out Kindle Vela, like I said, first three episodes are going to be free. The third episode will be released on Sunday. Um, I got to send this episode to Jay so she can edit it, get it back to me, and I can have it scheduled for release. Um, another update, of course, uh, Christmas in Quillandia, not doing too bad. Um, you know, for... Us indie authors, one sale is a is a good sale, and we already know that three have been bought, so that's a plus. Um, my my work schedule is fixing to fully change. Um, I can now say that I am I switched positions at my job. I am no longer the assistant manager at the convenience store I work at. Um, I am now the food service manager. Um, it helps me with my time and I'll be able to do my projects more because as uh, as the schedule goes, I will have every weekend off and I'll be working mostly day shift. Uh, usually the schedule's like 6A to 2P and I'll be off Saturday and Sunday. So I'll actually be able to do a lot more uh, and be able to spend more time with my, my kids hopefully. Um, I mean, a little is going to change because I won't be able to take them to school, but I won't have to worry about someone calling out and then I have to completely cut my time with them all together and have to go into work. So that's a plus. Um, I don't think there is any other new updates. Um, I hope you all had a great Christmas. Um, we did here. Um, I, I I need to quit saying um. I have heard myself say um like twelve hundred times. So, uh, da, 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 da. yeah. Hope you all had a good Christmas. Um, the New Year's coming up, so this episode will be released before New Year. So I hope you all have a great New Year. I hope you stay safe, uh, do things responsibly, but celebrate it any way that you choose to. So that that yep, that's all the updates. Um, I do believe, yeah, that's it. So, huh. anyways, welcome, 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 welcome. Uh, I hope and you guys like the new sound. I uh, hope the audio is a lot more clear. Um, to me, I do believe it is. It sounds so much clearer. So I'm hoping that this will do better and, you know, we can further move onward with this, um, hobby and, uh, this passion here. And thank you guys for tuning in and listening. And I hope the camera, the video um, is better quality because I'm not using the webcam. Like I said, I'm using my Canon cinematic camera now that I pay out the butt for. <laughs> so, and, you know, I pay for this equipment too. Um, so, yes, uh, I hope you're enjoying this a little bit more. But I'm trying, I'm hoping, I'm making sure that I do not have any more updates. I think that is it. Yep, I'm going through my mind. I know it's been two weeks, so yeah, that's it. Um, so the way we're 
Wayward's Guild podcast, which is the D&D campaign, will be on the YouTube channel, uh, the Hidden Hollow Productions YouTube channel, uh, along with, you know, my Crayers Dimension podcast. And for those who have, I don't know, was actually listening to the other side of Shadows, get down off my desk. I don't understand it. That's why I have this office, say, quit climbing on my desk, but yet when I have the door open, the cats are there. Um, but if there was anyone out there that was actually watching or listening to the other side of shadows, I apologize that I had to let that podcast go for now. Um, I just could not keep up with both podcasts at the moment, but hopefully I can get back into it eventually. Um, it might have to be just on YouTube. What? Oh, that's my bracelet hitting that. I was wondering what that noise was. Um, so, but I do actually have one video on my computer that I need to put on there, uh, to put on YouTube because I did interview a paranormal investigator. I just have not been able to get to it. Uh, but that will appear. And then, you know, maybe I can do a little bit of the other side of shadows here and there. So that way, you know, I can kind of keep it going at least through YouTube and through the Hidden Hollow Productions YouTube channel, uh, because it is a media channel and I'm trying my best to broaden it. And that's why I'm bringing in gaming. Uh, example, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but yeah, hopefully I can have that thing released within the next couple days. I've got the audio pulled up on my computer. Uh, listen to it. I'm going to have to divide that. I'll probably have to divide the second session that I recorded into two parts because it is two hours long. And I'm pretty sure nobody's going to watch it for two hours or listen to it for two hours. So I'm going to try and divide it the best way possible. Hopefully I can actually do it properly and it won't be weird or sound horrible um anyways okay that is it for the updates <laughs> so let's get to the topic at hand and i apologize if i stop or ramble or anything because this is like i said i didn't dive directly into this research because uh, i just haven't had time um christmas was chaotic but it was fun so and i did and I don't want to skip a week on uh, Creator's Dementia because I'm really trying to get it going. So today's topic is the rise of Mary Sue. Now, when this topic was suggested to me by Frank, I did not know what a Mary Sue was. Apparently, it's a very popular term, derogatory term at that, but uh, it deals with characters. Uh I think it was mostly brought up in fan fiction a long time ago. But <clears throat> um, a Mary Sue is generally generally seen as a female character without any significant flaws who experiences no personal or emotional development over the course of a story. Now, when I first read that definition, I did not... I couldn't think of anyone uh, that would fit this description because most of the stuff I've I thought that I've watched or read, you know, they've had trials, you know, to develop who they are and what they can do. But as I was reading this article, there are a couple of characters that I'm very familiar with that are considered Mary Sue's. Um, so the uh, what actually surrounds a Mary Sue archetype is uh, someone that 
can change. Uh, like the events around a Mary Sue uh, can change direct drastically, you know, as you know the the plot continues to grow, but. Uh, most of the problems are like too easy. Uh, they have no difficulty overcoming any type of problem. And there's like no, uh, frankly, no personal gain when it comes to these characters. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, everything is handed to them without hardly any effort. They can literally just go through the entire story of being the, the ultimate hero. No struggles, uh, you know, they, they could possibly have a tragic backstory that can kind of make them seem more relatable. But the fact of the matter is, if they don't have that struggle throughout their entire story, then I need to quit hitting that. Then uh, it's not going to be as, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oliver, what are you doing? Quit. Uh, it's not going to be as intriguing. That's what I was looking for. Um, but if I don't quit saying, um, I'm going to smack myself. I've got to stop. So a Mary Sue is typically like a beautiful to the point where multiple characters in the story are like falling head over heels in love with the character. Uh, there's like no, there's no flaw. It's just pure perfection. And kind of like as soon as they see them, walking down the street or coming out of a store or anything like that. It's just, bam, they are falling in love and they can't think straight, can't do anything. It's just all about the Mary Sue character. <clears throat> so the, you know, the funny thing is usually with a Mary Sue character, with someone who falls in love with them, there's actually nothing very interesting to provoke that kind of emotion from uh, another character to the Mary Sue. It's just what the writer puts. Like, um, let's say, I said it again. <laughs> so let's say the main character's name is Felipe. I guess I don't know. Um, walking, walks into a <clears throat> a store and it's full of all these other NPCs. And then all of a sudden, the side character slash other main character just looks up and just has tunnel vision towards uh, Felipe and everything in their mind and in their body just like, oh, I gotta have it. Even though there's really nothing interesting about this Mary Sue character, it is all just what the writer sees and is not actually thinking about. It, um, we'll say, basically it just, it's a boring person, it's a boring character that was sculpted out of marble from a from a famous sculptor. You know, there's no personality, no definition. You know, it's just a pure figure, and all that's all that's being drawn to them is the way that they look. You know, and the people that are obsessed with looks. But you know, there could you know there there be a little backstory to the Mary Sue, but it's more of a look at me. I'm I'm here. I'm the main character, so you got to pay attention to me, and I'm perfect. That's boring. That's just pure boring. Um. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
So a Mary Sue story usually uh, starts with kind of like the, the surrounding factor of that, you know, she's amazing without any explanation or evidence uh, given as to why they are so perfect or so amazing. They're just, they're just put in there and it's like, hey, kind of like what I said earlier, hey, I'm here, look at me, nothing's wrong with me, I'm perfect. Uh, so uh, most of the, you know, readers or audiences, you know, they watch this in movies and stuff or TV shows, you know, they have a hard time kind of connecting to a Mary Sue character because though the Mary Sue may may look like fantastic or uh, goddess-like, um, you know, can do great things and is fundamentally uh, capable of all things that they encounter, they literally are an empty shell. There's no emotion, no reason for attraction on a spiritual or emotional level. It's just all about the appearance that the creator has tried to make. Uh, kind of like, I'm not dogging anybody, but uh, kind of like how some of these TikTokers uh, will get like 1.7 million views off of shaking their butt. Don't know anything about the person shaking their butt, but people like to see that, so they're going to watch it. But yet there's nothing fundamentally grasping about that kind of uh, video, except for the fact that people just want to get their jollies. But the uh, some of the Mary Sue's out there that you may have heard of, and I did not realize this, for the simple fact that I never, like I am a Star Wars fan. The Mandalorian is my favorite show. Um, I have Mandalorian everything. Uh, but I read this and I never got past, what's it called? I don't think it's, it's The Force Awakens. That was it. I did watch it when uh, Ray first appeared. But apparently Ray is an example of a Mary Sue. And maybe if I would have kept watching, you know, the latest trilogy of Star Wars uh, cinematic universe, I could probably understand this. And from what I read, it is highly true that she would be considered a Mary Sue for the simple fact that uh, when Rafe appears, you know, she has no training dealing with anything Jedi related. But she can wield a lightsaber like nobody's business already. She didn't have any training, but yet she possesses the skills to be that kind of Jedi to where they don't need training. Which we all know, if you are a Star Wars fan, you know every Jedi out there has to have some type of training because it's not easy. There's a whole uh, guide to being a Jedi. I'm... When I was in high school, I, I played with lightsabers with friends, and I dual-wielded a blue and a green, which we all know that blue and green have their own significant um, standard uh, classification when it comes to Jedi. You know, you got Jedi Knight, you got a Paladin, you got a Master. Uh, but the I know I'm getting off topic here, but I practiced with my lightsabers. It wasn't all natural, so... For them to bring in someone into that cinematic universe that just automatically knows everything there is to know about being a Jedi at, with you know the skills and the fundamentals that it takes to 
use the force and wield a lightsaber without chopping your own hand off, that is kind of Mary Sueish. Um, you know, and also, like I said, I didn't know this, but I read about it. She was able to fly the Millennium Falcon and master the force as well as engage in lightsaber combat without any type of coaching or training that there is. It was just a, uh, hey, look at me, look what I can do, deal with it. That's that's a Mary Sue. <clears throat> but, you know, we, uh, I know as movie watchers, TV show watchers, you know, readers, we love conflict. We like to see conflict evolve, conflict get res- resolved. We like to see the actual story arc just com- uh, just compelling, and, you know, and bring us in. Um, but you know, if with with conflict, you know, there's always some type of either deterioration or emotional growth or physical growth. You know, that comes with conflict, but with the Mary Sue characters, there's no such thing. When they have conflict, their level of everything representing them just stays the same. So there's no growth. There's no uh, sitting on the edge of your seat wondering if they're going to make it out of a situation. It's just the the whole time they're okay, and you know they're going to be okay, so what's the point? Mary Sue's are horrible character uh, obsessions and it seems like the more I've read about Mary Sue's and uh, some examples that uh, articles have given me it seems like the Mary, Mary Sue's out there are constantly getting pushed into different works and pieces and you know movies and shows and books I guess uh, so Mary, having a Mary Sue um, see, this this is going to be my problem now, because I am going to start paying more attention to certain aspects, and you know, movies, TV shows, all this stuff, all the creative works. I'm going to start paying more attention to see if I can actually find or you know, spot a Mary Sue. I say, because if you're like me, you enjoy the journey, the ride. You know, you, um, with most of the books I've read. I've not seen a Mary Sue except for one, which was actually mentioned in this article. But uh, the thing is, I still enjoyed the books and the movies. But because, and it's because I'm a fool for a backstory. I truly am. Like, a good backstory will draw me in and. I want them to get away from their backstory if it's like one of them depressing ones to where they had to fight to get where they're going. <clears throat> now, the the next one I'm going to bring up uh, that they kind of consider as a Mary Sue, I'm on the fence about it because I can tell that... I'll, I'll just tell you the characters. They said Katniss Everdeen from The Hunger Games is a Mary Sue. I can kind of see it, but I... You know, that backstory kind of plays in a little bit. Um, you know, she's good with Bo because she hunted food for her family. 
Uh, we don't know how she actually trained to do that. That could be part of the backstory. Like I said, I'm a sucker for backstories. I cannot help it. But she was also uh, perfect in her own way. So, you know, in all honesty, I don't see Katniss Everdeen as being a Mary Sue. This article says they are, but I don't see it. Because I've, I've seen her journey. I've seen her conflict. And if I'm wrong, let me know. If you think Katniss Everdeen is a Mary Sue, then explain to Tell me why, but I, I just don't see it. Katniss Everdeen is a remarkable character, and just the conflict alone of where she, you know, offers herself up as tribute for the Hunger Games alone shows some developmental uh, growth. Kinda. Cause, uh, she, she does her thing with protecting her family, feeding her family, and, you know, watching over her sister is, you know, that's why she volunteered as tribute so that way her sister didn't have to go to the Hunger Games but when it comes to Mary Sue they wouldn't really give a shit uh, about something like that because you know they're they're their own form of perfection so they really wouldn't give a damn about anybody else including you know a family member so if y'all believe Katniss Everdeen might be a Mary Sue tell me why I don't see it and I enjoy the Hunger Games. Movies and books both. I still need to read the Ballad of the Songbirds. I, th- I can't remember. I, that's probably not the actual title, but if you know what I'm talking about, you get it. You get it. Um, so, this next one, I agree with. This one, and it could be because I cannot stand the movies, except for, you know, a couple of fight scenes. Uh, but... I hated, I hated the sparkles. Could not stand it. I appreciate the imagination. I really do. I give it to her. She she is a good author, but the movies, I just I cannot stand. But uh, Bella Swan seems to be one of the biggest Mary Sues I've ever come across. And it's for the simple fact. What was that noise? I bet Oliver's back here again. But, uh, because the, the only thing that's actually wrong with her, besides her acting, <laughs> is her clumsiness. You know, she she's not so sturdy. But if you think about it, there was no growth with her character whatsoever. It's not like she hated vampires and werewolves and then grew to love them. She was just simply accepting of the fact that there are vampires and werewolves. You know, and that whole f- freaking love triangle was... I could not stand it. But uh, everything that she'd done in the movies had no growth. None whatsoever. It was just, oh, Edward, you're a vampire... I love you. Oh, Jacob, you're a werewolf. I love you. But I'm going to go back to Edward because I think I love him more. But, you know, Jacob is a good friend. Maybe I love him just as much. No, I'm going to go back to Edward. There was nothing, nothing whatsoever established growth with that character. Holy shit. She truly is a Mary Sue. Nothing whatsoever. (coughs) 
I got excited. I'm sorry. <coughs> it was just, that was a big realization there. Oh, I got choked on my spit. I apologize. <coughs> okay. I'm back. Whew. But yeah. I honestly believe that Bella Swan is the biggest Mary Sue I've ever seen. It could be because I haven't seen many of them, but truly, what part of her story or character grew within the entire Twilight universe? Not one single thing. She was just here and there, and Jacob fell in love with her. The uh, One of the kids at the high school fell in love with her because he was going to ask her to a dance. Uh, Edward fell in love with her. The only people that didn't fall in love with her was, you know, the bad vampires. Uh, but yeah, that was one hell of a realization for me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Mary Sue's Origins. Now, the term was actually originated in the entire world of fan fiction. Uh, it says, back in 1973, authors Paula Smith and Sharon Ferrero were running a Star Trek fan magazine when they noticed a common trope popping up in almost all of the submissions. Story after story involved a placeholder female character who was so gorgeous, so beautiful, and instantly just was fantastic at everything that they've done that the other characters would just completely adore and fall in love. Now, Smith understood exactly what, why this was happening. The fan fiction world is a, you know, it's a fantasy realm. People will create characters inside of a universe that already exists. You know, to bring out... Okay, so, when it comes to Mary Sue's, it seems like an author or any type of creator that develops a Mary Sue will bring out themselves without their own flaws and imperfections. They fix them within the Mary Sue character. So, that is a high possibility that, you know, with the fan fiction world, you know, you know, authors will bring themselves into whatever universe is the you know, they're pushing themselves into. They will develop a character that represents them without any of the discrepancies. You know, their their flaws, their insecurities, their their damages. You know, so they put that character as the main focal point in this universe. So you know, fan fiction, you know, it's a fantasy, you know, and you know, authors are more focused on living in the world that they love rather than creating a perfect character. Since Smith is an author herself, Smith decided to pin a tongue-in-cheek fan fiction of her own to poke fun at the trope, the Mary Sue trope. And it actually gives an example um, from the Trekkies tale. I don't know if I should read that. No, I'm not going to read that because I don't want to get in trouble. But... <clears throat> 
she <laughs> she actually put in the name Mary Sue. Um, that's kind of funny. So, Mary, uh, because, you know what, screw it. I'm going to read it anyways. It's from a Trekkie style. It says, gee golly gosh, Goloriski <laughs> thought Mary Sue as she stepped on the bridge of the Enterprise. Here I am, the youngest lieutenant in the fleet, only 15 and a half years old. Captain Kirk came up to her. Oh, lieutenant, I love you madly. Will you come to bed with me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> because of that, a Mary Sue was born. <laughs> uh, so, you know, the term Mary Sue is based, is roughly, what, when did I say it was, it was truly, or, okay, 1973. Wow, so roughly 50 years old. Holy crap. Uh, the trope is well known at this point, apparently not too well known because I didn't know it, but it, of course I'm out of the loop on a lot of things. Uh, but the trope is well known at this point, especially in the action and adventure genre. Everyone seems to agree that Mary Sue characters are severely lacking in originality and charisma, which begs the question, why on earth do Mary Sue's keep getting put into stories and adventures entertainment creations why does a mary sue still exist if we all know that mary sues are freaking horrible so that begs the question why why can this trope not vanish and it seems like I don't know. The more I read, it seems like it's getting a lot of popularity. Uh, you know, with constant uh, creating different shows and stuff out there. Uh, I mean, I st I was going to say that, you know, all the services that provide any type of entertainment, you know, fictional-wise... Um, they all have Mary Sue's, but I don't see most of any of them in with, I don't see Mary Sue's a lot in with the things that I watch. Um, like I watch new girl, everybody there is not a Mary Sue whatsoever. Uh, I watch Cougar Town. They're all damaged. It's fantastic. I love that show. Of course I watch the office. Everybody there has problems. <laughs> uh, Parks and Rec, no one's perfect. We all know this. Parks and Rec is amazing. Um, what's another show I watch? I uh, started watching... Oh, what is that show? Uh, it's got that YouTuber on it uh, named Miranda. It's like Haters Get Back or something like that, but every, no. Uh, no Mary Sue's there. Uh, I do watch Home Economics. Everybody's got problems. So, I, there's not a lot of things that I watch that have Mary Sue's in them. So, I don't know how popular that they truly are. Because everybody seems like... It seems like everybody's got problems. It, it, I'm, I'm super glad that nobody's perfect in what I watch. Because it makes me feel better about myself. 
But, uh, so, even though Mary Sue's are usually referred to female characters, um, you know, it's, they actually, they actually exist for the, the male aspect of characters. Uh, you know, they are usually called Marty Stews or Gary Stews. Uh, so these, uh, male characters, you know, are a lot like Mary Sue's. They are extremely attractive. People instantly fall in love with this person if they walk down the street. Um, there's one of the uh, examples that they say is a Marty Stew is James Bond, according to this article, uh, is a Marty Stew. Um, you know, he he does have all these talents, all these skills, but he's also a CIA agent. So, I mean, I, I don't know. James Bond has had training. You know, he is the 007 agent. So it's not like he was picked up off the street and bam, he was James Bond. No, because, you know, there's some story to that, you know, he, you know, he's he's been an agent for a very long time. I mean, there's been so many 007s, it's ridiculous. Daniel Craig, Sean Connery, uh, Pierce Brosnan. I mean, you can't... Re uh, there's some things in this article that I just... I cannot relate to or understand. Uh, except for the fact that, you know, every woman that he encounters seems to fall in love with him. I get that part. That part is a definite, is a definite Marty stew. I can see it. Because not every woman is attracted to the same type of man, just like not every man is attracted to the same type of woman. So I can see how James Bond is kind of a Marty Stew. I get it. But it's not the fact that he is perfect at everything uh, because you know, it's just the fact that the creator made him so attractive that all the fictional characters, fictional women around him just so happen to fall in love with him and need him for everything. So, okay, I will I will give it to that. James Bond is a Marty Stew. Still fun movies to watch, though. Uh, you know, he... Da-da-da-da-da. Uh, so, I don't know of another... I didn't read or watch Fifty Shades of Grey... So I don't know if Gray is a Marty Stew. I know I know like a little bit of his story to the fact where you know how he was taught to be the way that he is. You know, I'm pretty sure that's it was illegal and yet it's still one of the most what do you call it? fantasized things that people have read but uh, he may not be a Marty Stu because uh, you know I guess within the story he grew as a person you know and learned to I guess love one woman and I guess you know the female character of that also learned to love him as he was so I don't know like I said I never read the books never watched the movies so maybe neither one of them are a Stu or a Sue um 
but there's there's a big question that remains uh, about the whole trope and aspect of a Mary Sue, and that is 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 the trope Mary Sue sexist? And it's not. <clears throat> It's not it's not an easy question to answer cuz we all know that society today is just stupid. Not people in general, just the way society is ran is stupid. I mean, if you're watching or listening to me, I know you have independent thoughts. And I mean, you don't have to watch me or listen to me to have independent thoughts. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, you know, you can choose for yourself. Like the whole cancel culture whatever. This ain't no political podcast, so I'm not going to get into it. But, you know, to say uh, a Mary Sue is a sexist term, I mean, it could be, but it's describing a certain type of fictional character, one that has no growth, no archetype, no climatic plot twist, nothing like that. So, I mean, if you call... A real life person to Mary Sue. Okay, yeah, that could be sexist. Or calling a guy in real life a Marty Stew or a Gary Stew. Okay, yeah, sexist. But, or it just could be a term of, what's the word I'm looking for? Just a derogatory term. I was going to say term of endearment, but that's not true. <laughs> but, you know, it seems like, according to this article, the people that, you know, watch or read or listen to all these creative works aren't overly bothered by the handsome male action heroes who leap from buildings, you know, and do the courageous things, but yet the the female characters of this type of trope seem to stand out more. And it could be because women are more emotionally complex than men and have more diverse emotional needs. Maybe. Um, I mean, it, we all know women should be running this world because they run everything. We need to, anyways. So, calling someone a Mary Sue can be derogatory, maybe a little sexist. Calling someone a Marty Stew or a Gary Stew, same way. But the the fact of the matter is, if a writer or a creator creates a character to the point where they have no flaws, no growth, no fundamental uh, conflict to the point where they have to do something that's outside of their comfort zone in order to succeed in the whole story, then yes, that is a total Mary Sue slash Marty Stew or Gary Stew. I mean, it's just true. Your character's got to have some type of relatable event throughout the entire story so that way readers and the audience can relate to that character to make it more enjoyable and more um, to be drawn in. Get down. Thank you. So... Uh, so it says, here's another basic truth that all audiences understand. Even if they won't admit it, 
Women not as physically strong as men. Seeing a woman best a man twice her size in a fight scene, although might be entertaining, hinders our suspension of disbelief. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know about this one. I love watching a woman beat the shit out of a big-ass dude. I mean, strength does matter. I know this. But so does speed and skill. So if you got a like a horrendous meat suit of a dude buffed out from head to toe trying to attack a woman and she can move so quickly that she can get behind him, twist his neck, you know, break his neck or punch him in the nuts. I enjoy that. That's that's awesome. And I won't say two words about it. And that is not a Mary Sue to me. That's just someone who knows how to freaking fight. Someone who knows how to whoop ass. You know, oh my gosh, Oliver, get down. No, off my desk. We're not doing this. Go. Whew. I was trying to think of a guy character. I kind of almost wanted to say John Wick. Because John Wick kind of kind of has some Marty Stew. Um, he has a decent backstory, yes. But, no, it can't be John Wick because he did, he did grow a bit. He, uh, you know, he, he left the whole hitman thing. And then he got back into it because, you know, his dog got killed. And then he went against it. Yeah, so, okay, John Wick, not a Marty Stew. Even though he was a badass and had a lot of skills, he's not a Marty Stew. Um, I really don't know. Besides James Bond. Um, you know what? Let me go through this article real quick, see if they have. Or I'll look it up real quick and see if something can pop in my brain about a Marty Stew. Hmm. Apparently, hmm, why are people hating on, this is a whole nother thing. They're talking about how uh, Ghostbusters shouldn't have been a, rebooted as a all-female cast, and I enjoyed that movie. I loved it. Um, they saying that women should not be a James Bond, which I could care less, Um uh, if a woman wants to be James Bond, go for it. You know, Janice Bond or Jane Bond or whatever. I mean, it's a 007 agent. It can be anybody. Um, you know what? Let me see here. What? Because I want something to jog my mind here. What character... I know this is a weird episode, and I apologize, because I don't do this. I usually don't do this while I'm recording. I'll usually do it before I record, so I get all my information. But like I said, this is a quick ep, uh, just a hey, I gotta sit down and record type episode. What ca character is a Marty Stew? Marty Stew. There we go. Or, oh, 
Marty Stu, Gary Stu, or Larry Stu. Typically, these characters are typically discussed in fan culture as adjuncts to the Mary Sue trope. For example, fans have argued that in Star Trek, the character James T. Kirk is a Marty Stu. Hmm. You know what? James T. Kirk. Was that the one that part of the new Star Trek? I think so. He did know how to do a lot of things very quickly. But he also did go to the Academy to learn uh, to be a part of Starfleet. So, I'm not sure on that one. I said something like this really needs some thinking to it. And if you if you never heard of a Mary Sue or a Marty Stew, then I mean I'm right there with you. I didn't hear about any of this until recently. Uh, why they don't have a lot of examples here? Here we go. Gary Stew examples in movies. We'll do it this way. No, that's not what I'm looking for. Why? Sometimes, this is why sometimes I hate the internet. What I'm trying to look for, it doesn't give me the results I'm exactly looking for. It gives me 1,200 others. And I just seen one where, talking about Star Wars again. Great male Mary Susan film history. Old Han Solo, Star Wars The Force Awakens features a number of heroic new heroes. So they are all about Star Wars. The scavenger turned force wielder named Ray. Yep, we talked about her. She lacks in flaws, and but it seems beyond their scope of belief that she would have all the natural abilities she does to wield and use a lightsaber. You know, she was just a scavenger when she was a child. The force is extremely strong within her. Okay, let's get off of Ray here. Looking for a dude. A guy. Old Han Solo. Alright, let's see what this says. Star Wars The Force Awakens features a number of heroic new heroes, but perhaps the guy who got the biggest cheers in my opening weekend screening was an older friend. Literally, elderly Han Solo. Judging by the franchise's timeline, the guy is comfortably middle-aged at best. Long past getting senior discounts. And Okay, whatever. I'm not gonna... Mm-hmm. If he were such a boring Mary Sue, he would have at least had a little beer belly. A smidgen of arthritis. Strong aversion to that noise the kids today call music. <laughs> uh, but he is actually still a dashing hero. He can still jump from place to place even though he is old. Uh, his fighting was good. He was able to wrangle big monsters. <sighs> so... And none of Chewbacca's fur is gray. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, they mentioned James Bond here again. Batman. Okay. So after Bane breaks his back and the Dark Knight rises, Batman gets healed up by amateur criminal doctors in a prison and never has to go to a chiropractor. Not once. Not even for the occasional therapeutic massage. And he's not doing yoga either. Okay. 
that's okay. Aragorn. Hmm. Same blood runs in the vein. Yada yada yada. But this guy spends years just wandering around as a ranger, getting dirty as all heck, and then suddenly he's the leader of not only the Fellowship of the Ring but various human and ghost armies. Hmm. Well, we may buy that he can find healing herbs and blah blah blah. Where, where are we giving evidence of training and being a general and a statesman? If he's blood heir, the weakest human king in history, why does he never get tempted by the one ring at all? That is true. Aragorn was perfect. I did not, of course, I have not watched any of the Lord of the Rings movies in such a long time. But that is true. He didn't have any flaws to my recollection. He was just the perfect soldier to aid Frodo and Sam and all of them. Pippin Gandalf. Huh. So is Aragorn a Marty Stew? What are your thoughts? Um, seriously, what are your thoughts on that one? And, oh, this one's going to be my favorite. So there's actually a lot of Marty Stews here. Um, I'm just going to go down the list, tell you a couple, and then we'll cut it from there because I'm pretty sure I'm really long on this episode. So they've got Harry Potter listed, Magneto, Jason Bourne, Luke Skywalker. He, wait, why Luke? Yoda trained him. He wasn't, Luke wasn't perfect. Huh. Mm. Well. What are you doing? Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I don't understand why. Because, like I said, Luke got training. So why would he be a Marty Stew? Or a Gary Stu or a Larry Stu. He has not only a backstory, but he also had training. He wasn't perfect. And not everybody fell in love with him. I don't know. I don't, I'm going I'm to put a big X on that one. But anyways, yes, that is Mary Sue. <laughs> Those are Mary Sue's, Marty Stu's, Gary Stu's, Larry Stu's. Thank you all for coming to this episode. I hope I did not bore you with my randomness. I hope maybe you learned a little bit. Hopefully you know now to stay away from any type of sues or stews because that just makes the story horrible and boring and no one can connect to characters that are just flawless. We ain't flawless ourselves. Nothing about us is flawless and our characters should not be the same way. I mean, even in Supernatural, God has his flaws. (laughs) So take that into consideration um but thank you all for coming to this episode of creators dementia i really appreciate it and oliver if you do not stop i apologize for randomly talking to my cat he is being a butt and i don't know why 
I guess it's because he misses my chair. He used to, in the duplex, he would sleep in it all day. And now it's in my office and the door stays shut. He doesn't get to get in here as often. So he doesn't get my chair. And he's the one that actually destroyed my chair. What are you chewing on? Stop. If you don't quit. Yeah, go away. I love my cats, but dang. Okay. I, I will let you all go now. I uh, appreciate the eyes and the ears and the cat's back running, running like crazy. Um, hope you all have a great new year. I really appreciate you coming in. Um, next, the next episode will be scripted. I promise I will write it all down and I will stay focused and I will stay on topic and I'll make sure to completely do my research before I record again. But I hope you like the new setup. I hope you like the new sound. I hope you like the new, uh, video. <laughs> the new visual. Um, I really appreciate everything you do. Um, I did start a Patreon. That is a update that I did not get to say. I did start a Patreon. It is uh, patreon.com slash creators dimension. So if you want to support the show financially, go to it and go for it. Um, just listening and watching and sharing, that's, that's a lot of support for me. So I really appreciate it. You have no idea how grateful I am for the ones that continue to come back and one day i promise you i will have my shit together and it will it will be so much better um like i mean you've already noticed i'm slowly getting there it's just today's episode not scripted so i was everywhere with it and i apologize but i still hope you did learn something uh so thank you guys very much thank you all um none of my friends are mary sues or marty stews or larry stews or gary stews uh, you are all independent, uh, climatic, awesome people that face everything that creators face. And we all know the struggle and we all grow from it. So thank you all for not being the boring Sues and Stews out there uh, that keep my life interesting. I really appreciate it. Love you guys. Hope you have a great New Year. Stay safe. Demented Creator is out. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode of Creator's Dementia. I hope I conveyed the aspect of being a creator. It's not easy. It will never be perfect, but it is always hopeful. If you have any feedback you want to send my way, feel free to email me at creatorsdementia at gmail.com. Share the show, give us some stars, send me some of your creative work, and I'll put it on here. Creators need all the support they can get. Thank you for listening. Love you guys. Demented Creator, out.